Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to day five, our last day, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, these challenging chapters, chapter 8, chapter 9, about how to live the Christian life, how to live in freedom, but also give up those freedoms in order to love the people that are around me. And we've been looking this week at what Paul says are the reasons I would give up a freedom so that I don't hinder the gospel of Christ, because it's a really a reward, a privilege to do so, so that all can be one to Christ, so I can win as many as possible. And reason number four it's, it's around the same thing we've been talking about. It's all about the gospel, all about the good news. The fourth reason Paul says he would give up a freedom is for the sake of the gospel so that he could share its blessings. That really sums up everything we've been talking about. The blessings of God and the good news of God are really at the center, at the core of why Paul would give up a freedom, a right. Listen to what he has to say in verses 23 to 27. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, that I might share its blessings, that's why I would give up a freedom. That's why I would serve others. And the way that he does it here, he says, I, I buffet my body and I make it my slave. He says, I give my entire physical self to this. If you're going to give up a freedom, it's going to involve your physical self. And Paul says, I, I even in some sense, and making a slave of my body in order to be able to serve others. Now, what does he mean here? How do you do that? What does this phrase, I buffet my body, have to do with? There are three specific things Paul is talking about here when he talks about this kind of life for the sake of the gospel that I might share its blessings. Commitment, strict training, and the decision not to run aimlessly, those three things. The first thing he talks about is commitment to get the prize, and that's excellence that he's talking about. He says, when you run, you may as well run for the prize. Run for excellence. Don't run at the back. Don't run with the pack. Run for the prize. All run, he says, but only one gets the prize. So run for the prize, not out of pride, but out of excellence. Run to be the one who did the very best. Not because you can look at all the other people and say, look, they did worse, but because you can look at yourself and say, I did everything I could as I reached toward that finish line. Paul is saying here in the Christian life, it's not enough to say, at least I ran. It's not enough to say, at least I ran along with everybody else. If we do that, we're going to all start running slower and slower and slower and all be together and all still feel very good about ourselves. We're to run the very best that we can for the glory of God, not out of pride, but for the glory of God. Paul is saying here, do not settle for being a participant. How do you buffet your body and make it your slave? You run for the prize. You run with excellence in your life. How do you Get your body to serve others, to serve for Christ in this world? How do you get involved in a way that really makes a difference? It takes commitment to get the prize, but it also takes strict training, and that's discipline. It takes excellence, and it takes discipline. In verse 25, Paul says, everyone who competes in the games, everyone who competes in the games, goes into strict training. If I'm going to win a 100-meter dash, a run in, a, in an Olympics, I'm not going to show up on the day of the Olympics without putting any training in. No, it's extremely strict training in order to win that kind of a race. If you're gonna win, if you're gonna win a marathon in your own community, if you're gonna win a 5K run that was run maybe just a couple weeks ago, 
You don't do it by just showing up and thinking, I'll be strong enough. I'll run faster than anybody else. The person who wins, you know they've been in training in order to win. It takes discipline. So in verse 27, when Paul says, I beat my body, I make it my slave, that phrase, beat my body, doesn't mean punishment. It means discipline. It means personal discipline. As much as I can, he says, I want to discipline my body so that I can serve Christ with my all. Our bodies, our physical bodies, are either going to be enslaved to the passions and pleasures of this world, or we're going to make them slaves to the will of God, one or the other. And people who live in excellent faith are those who are learning how to make even our physical bodies slaves to the purposes of God. I offer my body as a living sacrifice. So it takes discipline in order to run for the sake of the gospel that you might share its blessings. It takes excellence. And then it takes the third thing Paul talks about. Third thing is you don't run aimlessly. Third thing is it takes clear goals. Paul says, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. He had a target. He had a goal. You can't run a race effectively without an eye on the finish line. Uh, You might run just as long as the other people. You might run even faster seemingly than the other people. But if you're not running in the right direction, you're not going to win that race. So what is the clear goal that motivates your life? What is the thing that you're running toward? There are two things that can ignite our lives, short-term motivators and long-term motivators. you got to be motivated by something, but short-term motivators and long-term motivators can both ignite our lives. There are a lot of short-term motivations out there. It could be money. could be success. could be worry. It could be fear. People are motivated by fear. It could be guilt. It could be positive peer pressure. Uh, some of the short-term motivators are better than others for you. Some cause ulcers. Some don't. But the problem with short-term motivators is they're short-term. They run out quickly. And then you have to look for another motivation. I've lived a lot of my life under the short-term motivation of getting things done, of accomplishing tasks. And and the tasks have often come as fast as I wanted. Uh, Being a pastor for the first time in a church, learning how to do that, having to relocate a church to a new location, having to build a church after relocating, being at Saddleback Church with all, of, all that we have happening all the time here. But the problem is when you're, when you're motivated by the task, once the task is complete, discouragement sets in and you got to find another motivator. I've had to learn a lesson about that in my life, especially these last few years. Only long-term motivations last. If you find yourself cycling from being motivated to being discouraged, It might be that you're relying on what can only motivate for the short term. And the truth is, we have long-term motivations. That's at the very center of enjoying the good news, and it's at the very center of living out the disciplined kind of life that God's given you to live. Think of the eternal reward. Back in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Average Olympic athlete, a lifetime of training for a race that will last 10 seconds. A worthy goal in this world, where people, a lot of people have no goals, is to win an Olympic race. But as glorious as that may look on television, it only lasts for a moment. Even, even in human history, it only lasts for a moment. But all of human history only lasts for a moment in terms of eternity. What about, Paul says, instead, realizing, I'm giving a few years of endurance of sacrificing myself for others, of serving others for an eternity of reward. Not only the reward in my life, but the reward that's going to come in their life. Not just selfish reward, but the reward that spills over into the lives of everyone that's around you. 
If you're asking yourself recently, why can't I get motivated? Maybe you need a higher motivation. Ultimately, the next paycheck or the next business deal or the next game to win is not enough. God made us to look forward to the reward, but we substitute sometimes our little rewards. And really what he made us to look forward to is the reward of living with him forever. We say to ourselves sometimes, maybe you've had a tough day at work, so we get home and say, I'm going to reward myself. I'm going to go out to a movie or whatever. Or I've had a tough week. I'm going to reward myself. I've had, a, I've had a tough year. I'm going to reward myself with a vacation this year. What about if you're having a tough life? How do you really reward? Well, you don't reward yourself. Instead, you look to his reward, the reward that comes in Christ. Now, remember, the motivator behind all of this is I'm willing to give to others, to serve others, because I'm looking to the reward. Remember, we started this week by saying, I do not have the right to give up my freedom in Christ, but I do have the freedom to give up my rights. And the way you do it is by looking to the reward. The way you do it is by looking to the benefit that comes to the gospel. The way you do it is by deciding to serve others. The way you do it is by looking at the example of Paul, but asking for the strength of the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together for the strength to serve. Jesus, give me the strength to serve today. That strength can only come one day at a time. I wish somehow you could infuse me with the kind of strength that would be there, a way of thinking that would be there for the rest of my life. But I know how easy it is to think selfishly, to think about my rights and my freedoms. Each day I need your spirit to speak to me. And I pray, we pray for your spirit to speak to us today. Show us where we're being selfish. Show us how we can set that selfishness aside and decide instead to serve. And let these motivations, the motivation of the good news of Christ, the motivation of the reward of sharing that good news, the motivation of the joy of living for you, let those rise to the top of our minds right now so that today, this day, we could serve you by loving you and by loving others. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Next week, we're going to look together at 1 Corinthians 10, and Paul is going to continue to talk about how to promote love and freedom over knowledge and rights. He's going to focus in this chapter about how to deal with the temptations that you and I face in this world. <music> 